Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. Two important personality traits in friendship are honesty and loyalty. It's really hard to get close to someone who doesn't exhibit those two, uh, those two traits. If someone, if someone isn't honest or loyal, it's hard, it's hard to connect with that person. What causes a person to be disloyal? Well, I think many things, but two of the biggest things are jealousy and selfishness. When jealousy eats you up, it will eventually lead to rage, and clearly that kind of rage is, leads to, un, uh, to dis, being disloyal. And the more selfish you are, the more impulsive you are, and ultimately that impulsiveness leads to disloyalty as well. In 1 Samuel 18, if you want to open your Bibles there, take out your phones, turn on your device, whatever it is you do, go there, fight the temptation to... Shop Amazon, but go there and, uh, and look at 1 Samuel 18. We're going we're to be there this morning. Where we're going to see both of these traits played out King, in King Saul. And then we'll see them contrasted in his son, Jonathan. In the context of chapters 18 through 31 of 1 Samuel, King Saul demonstrates both jealousy and selfishness and how they can ruin relationships. But his son Jonathan demonstrates exactly the opposite. He was a loyal friend as David, who would become king later, could possibly have. So considering friendship, I want us to notice then the characters of Jonathan and David and Saul, and we'll note the contrast of Jonathan's loyalty with the jealousy of Saul, while David is kind of in the middle. A little background, there is an ongoing war between the nations of Israel and the Philistines. The Philistines were a, were a constant nagging problem for Israel. There, there, there were many battles and skirmishes and conflicts between those two nations in, the, in this book. And in 1 Samuel, there are many battles recorded there with the Philistines. The giant Goliath was one of the top secret weapons. Okay, not so secret, uh, but it was one of the big weapons. It's, he scared the Israelites. David, the shepherd boy, shocks the world when he defeats Goliath. And of course, King Saul hears about it, but he doesn't realize that David is the anointed one already by God. He is the king elect, so to speak. He just thinks, wow, this kid kills giants. Now, earlier in the story, Saul had failed to follow God, and God was not going to let him continue his reign. And so God speaks to Saul through Samuel in 1 Samuel 13, verse 13, How foolish you have not kept the commandment the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Loyalty endures when a friendship pursues the heart of God. 
Saul was not pursuing after God's heart. David, David was. So in 1 Samuel 18, in verse 12, in verse 14, and verse 28, repeat the same thing, that God was with David and David was after God's heart. Everything about David's life was hinging on his pursuit of God. Now, we know the story, and we know that David did some awful things, especially after he became king, some despicable things. But it didn't change the fact that his heart was always after God. And so there's this inevitable collision in this story between David and Saul. David has been anointed as king by God, but Saul was still in power. David was gaining popularity as a leader, and Saul's popularity was waning. And then there's Jonathan, Saul's son, stuck in the middle of all of this. David is popular, but, but does not become king without his friend Jonathan. This is a fascinating story right after David kills Goliath, and he, and he takes the head of Goliath and approaches King Saul with the head, 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. And there was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. And from that day on, Saul kept David with him and would let him, wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. And when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, Women from all the towns of Israel came to, out to meet King Saul, and they sang and they danced for joy with tambourines and lyres, and this was their song. Saul has killed his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said? They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be wanting to make him king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Saul kept a jealous or close eye on David. Jealousy is one step removed from murder. Hang on to that thought. By siding with David, Jonathan has no chance of receiving the throne. Time after time in this story, Jonathan stands by his friend David, even when his dad, King Saul, tries to kill David. And what we see in Jonathan is that loyalty is rooted in bravery and humility. Did you hear that back in verse 2? It sounds like words from the New Testament. He loved him as himself. Jesus said it was the second greatest command to love your neighbor as yourself, to sacrifice yourself for others. And as God's people, to be there for each other. We're to be a Christ-like presence for each other. Now, who is Jonathan? Well, he's a fierce warrior in the story with full faith in God. The difference between he and Saul. 
In 1 Samuel 14, you'll see his fierceness when Jonathan climbs a a cliff along with his armor bearer and at the top kills 20 Philistines with just his two armor bearers. Kind of like, I don't know, kind of like a John McClane figure in Die Hard, something like that. We may not be looking for a fight, but if you bring it, we're going to finish it. He was a warrior. Now in 1 Samuel 17, David defeats Goliath with 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 a slingshot and a stone. But notice at the end, David cuts off the head of the giant Goliath and and gets brought into the king's court. And there he stands before the king, still holding the, the, the head of Goliath. And Jonathan is there. It's the first time he meets David. Apparently, he immediately likes him. He's his kind of guy. He's a warrior. He admires him, and he makes a covenant with him. He promises, they promise to be friends. Jonathan, if you think about the story very long, you realize Jonathan could have been a real pain to David. He could have taken his father's side. He could have worked to kill David. I mean, David, uh, Jonathan had his own massive uh, successes as a warrior. He was a proven guy, but he recognizes David as the rightful king. And the bond between them is very tight. It's a close friendship described in verse 1, and they make this promise of friendship in verse 3. It's the kind, it's the kind of bond, it's the kind of, uh, of friendship that's formed on battlegrounds, that's, that's formed in trenches. You may remember back in 2006, there was a battle in, uh, in Baghdad when a grenade was thrown into the gunner's hatch of a Humvee. Private Ross McGinnis was in that Humvee and had time to get out. But instead, he threw himself on the grenade. He sacrificed himself. The Wall Street Journal reported that in kindergarten, his teacher had asked him to draw a picture of what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he drew a soldier. Four men are alive because this soldier, they wrote, embodied our army's values and gave his life. No greater love than to lay down your life for your friend. That was Private Ross McGinnis. It's Jonathan as well in this story. If you notice in chapter 18 and verse 4 of 1 Samuel, Jonathan gives David the symbols of royalty. He takes off his robe, his tunic, his sword, his bow, his belt. This was more than simply a gesture of friendship. This was him signifying his recognition that David is to be king. It's more than loyalty and affection. It's complete abdication on his part. I know I can be king, but I'm going to give all of this to you, my friend. He does it in order to acknowledge David as the true king, the rightful king. He's also giving up massive amounts of wealth and power to David. He'd given up much, he will give up much more. In Jonathan's loyalty, you'll see him protecting David. Saul, contrastingly, uh, contrasting Jonathan's loyalty, uh, is jealous about David. And he wants to exterminate David because he's full of fearfulness. 1 Samuel 23, verse 17, Jonathan is struggling with the thought of his father trying to kill David. And so so he tells David not to be afraid. 
You'll be king over Israel, he says, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. The two had made another covenant or promise between them. Jonathan would later learn that, that this is true. Jealousy is the destroyer of loyalty. Commitment is the bond of friendship. Why does, why does the success of someone else make us discontent? It may have nothing to do with your field of endeavor. It's simply that somebody else succeeds and does something and we become jealous. Why is that? I'll tell you quite plainly. It's because the adversary, Satan, wants us to live out the opposite of the great commands. Proverbs 27 verse 4 speaks to this. Anger is cruel and fury is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Another translation, anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood, but jealousy is even more dangerous. Satan's number one way of destroying the bond of loyalty is jealousy. And it's just a short step from jealousy to murder. Why well, say that? Well, look at chapter 18, verse 9. Jealousy prompts Saul to the point of throwing a spear out of rage at David. Evil just takes over him. Saul is a complete moral disaster at this point because, well, because of his jealousy. In this story, David is a type of Christ. He's an illustration of Christ, someone who points us to Jesus Christ. And if you notice in these chapters, Jonathan was willing to abdicate his life for David, the true king. And we must be willing to abdicate our lives for Jesus, the true king. If you are reigning on your own throne, here's the truth, Jesus is not. Like Jonathan removing his robe, taking off the old and putting on the new, this is what we need. This is repentance, as Kent talked to us about several Sundays ago. Taking off the old habits of sin and putting on the new way of life that belongs to Jesus Christ. The only way that we can put on the new, the righteousness of Christ, is by acknowledging our sinfulness, by repenting of our sinfulness and acknowledging that Jesus is the only way to redemption. In faith, we accept him as Lord and Savior, and with confidence in the power of his resurrection, we're buried with him and raised with him, and we let him add us to his family. This is what the story is ultimately pointing to, not just loyalty in general, but loyalty to Jesus Christ. Now, in the next chapter of 1 Samuel 19, Saul has a chance to repent and to turn around and to stop this madness. His previous plot to murder David was really more internal. But in chapter 19, verse 1, his intentions are, well, they're out in the open. They're out in the open. He commands his son, Jonathan, kill David. Kill him. In this story, Saul is a type or an illustration of those who reject the anointed king, and want to rule themselves. He's the opposite. He is, if you please, the antichrist of those who reject Christ. 
your life is not your own. As much as we think we can, we can't control it. By opposing David, Saul is opposing God. By, by submitting to David, Jonathan is honoring God. One wanted to rule his own life. The other was willing to give up his own life. 1 Samuel 19.2, Jonathan told him that his what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. I will ask my father to go out there with me, and I'll talk to him about you, and then I will tell you everything I find out. The next morning, Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant David, Jonathan said. He's never done anything to harm you. He's always helped you in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant and how the Lord brought a great victory to all of Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There is no reason for it at all. So Saul, Saul listened to Jonathan, and he vowed, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. Afterward, Jonathan called David and told him what had happened, and then he brought David to Saul, and David served in the court of Saul as before. So Jonathan starts to intervene on David's behalf, he, trying to stop his father from killing David and notice that Jonathan, Jonathan isn't distant from his father, Saul. He's close with both Saul and David. Can you imagine the tension that, they, that Jonathan must have felt because his father, Saul, wants to kill his good friend, David? So he tells his dad again about David, this fierce warrior, this loyal uh, uh, soldier, this faithful, true follower of God, the king must not sin against God by killing him. And so Saul swears that he will not go through with his plan. But the problem remains that the jealousy is still there in Saul. Like an untreated disease where the symptoms go away, but it remains in the body and it's going to reappear or resurface. We get this pathetic picture later of Saul in chapter 19, verse 9, one day when Saul was sitting at home with a spear in his hand, this tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly comes upon him again. And as David played his harp, Saul hurls his spear at David. But David dodged out of the way, and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. And then Saul sent troops to watch David's house. They were told, kill David when he comes out in the morning. At some point in this story, you begin to question and ask, how many times did Saul try to kill David in chapters 18 through 26? Well, there's twice with a spear. He tried to use the Philistines. There was Jonathan. There was the spear. Uh, there were three, three times he had assassins and, and two times in the will, at least ten times. And throughout the whole ordeal, Jonathan is there protecting him. Without Jonathan's protection, it's very likely Saul would have succeeded. Remember Jonathan's dream of David as king and him being number two, his right-hand man? Jonathan wouldn't make it. But the legacy of loyalty lasts beyond your lifetime, and we see that in Jonathan. 
At the end of 1 Samuel chapter 31, Jonathan dies in a gruesome battle, fighting alongside his dad against the Philistines. There he is beside his dad, loyal to his dad, and he dies. Later, as the people recognize David as king, he sings this lament about Jonathan in 2 Samuel 1.19. The splendor of Israel lies slain on the heights. How the mighty have fallen. Jonathan left behind a five-year-old son. Fearing the Philistines, his nanny picks him up and starts to flee with him, and she stumbles and falls And she drops him, and both of his feet are crippled for the rest of his life. It was a tragic story. But David never forgot his friend Jonathan. A few years later, David David asked, Is there anyone remaining from Saul's family that I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And they found Mephibosheth, and they brought him to Jerusalem. He and his son ate at David's table from then on. Who is Mephibosheth? The son of Jonathan, who was crippled. Loyalty is a pattern of commitment, but it's proven at a crucial moment. There's a pattern between David and Jonathan. They said what they would do. They kept their commitments. You show that pattern of commitment, but it's proven in this crucial moments. Jonathan proved his friendship. In crucial moments, you may say you love and will die for your friend, but when the grenade is thrown, you have about half a second to decide. Saul was not ready, not prepared. Jonathan was. If you're not preparing every day, then you certainly may miss it completely or you may fail. Jonathan was ready as a friend, and because he was a true friend, David would become king. And because David becomes king, we see the lineage of Jesus Christ, the king, our king, whose mercy never fails and who holds us in his hands. What a good, good king who is your friend. He's loyal. He's loyal and he's given up all to pursue you. So here's my question. Are you living in the goodness of God? Would you like to? Do you find yourself alone? Do you find yourself covered up in terror? Do you find yourself lost? Well, the story is that he's running after you. We would love to continue that conversation. That's why elders will be up here, be in the balcony, be in the prayer room afterwards, after we stand this and sing this song together. Thanks for listening. To stay up to date on news and other events, visit southplains.org. We also extend special thanks to our countless volunteers who make all of our ministries possible. And remember, Engage, lead, and celebrate others.